Amen. Well, as we jump in today, right after the message, we have a, a thing called Connect Groups, and I want to invite you to jump in and participate at Joy Church. We're not just a church of spectators. In fact, there's no person, there's no category in the New Testament of a Christian that's a church goer or a church attender. It's a church participant. We're not just spectators. We're out there doing the work. We're out there connecting. We're out there growing together, making disciples and growing as disciples. And so one of the ways we do that here at Joy Church is right after the, this, the message today, go to joyeugene.com live, jump into a connect group, and you can discuss the message and help each other grow as followers of Jesus. I want to encourage you to do that. As you know, we've been meeting in the park every Wednesday night at 6.30. And so this week, we are calling it a maybe, okay? And if you just need to know why it's a maybe, look out your window. And if you can see the sky, it's probably on. If you can't, it's probably off. But I think it's most likely not going to happen. But I wanted to say it's a maybe. So let's pray and believe God for this smoke to go, the fires to be put out. If we do end up having Wednesday in the park, we'll let everybody know. We'll post that event. But let's go ahead and say Probably not, all right, for now. How does that for, for uh, decisiveness, right? It's a maybe, maybe not, maybe. We'll see. Uh, Wednesday in the park is a big maybe. But next week, as of right now, again, a little tentative, but we're still planning. Next week is our first service at our new building. Ah, yay, woo, exciting. First service at our new building. Uh, because of the restrictions going on based on uh, COVID-19 and all of that, and to stay compliant with, with you know, everything going on. We're, we're limited to 100 people per service. Therefore, if you know, Joy Church is a lot bigger than 100 people, so we have a registration link that we're going to be sharing this week, and you're going to need to register for yourself, for your family, to get a spot in that service. We're also going to have a waiting list, so if there's a ton of people that can't get into those, the services that we have, we're going to run three services next week. Get on the waiting list, and that allows us to see what kind of capacity we need to add to be able to let everybody come to church. So uh, we're excited about that. Keep an eye out for that link. We're going to share that midweek via email, on the Facebook page, all of that. So we need everybody to be right there by your radio, dialed in, you know, ready for that communication to come in. But don't hear me too literally. It's not coming on the real radio. We're going to send it in email and Facebook and all of that. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have an opportunity to give to the Lord. And God is, is so incredible. We, we can never outgive God. There's never been a time in my life where I've given sacrificially or been faithful in my tithes to bring them to the Lord and trust God with my finances where he's ever let me down. It's interesting because in the scripture, the Lord actually talks about this topic. It's one of the only areas he says, why don't you test me in this? In the book of Malachi, he says, bring your tithes into the storehouse. Test me in this. If I don't pour, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. And so learning to trust God in our finances and our giving is actually an area of obedience, discipleship, and worship. And so we as, as a church of Joy Church, one of our core values is generosity. And we believe uh, that we get to partner with God in the mission that he wants to see accomplished in the world. And so every month when, when, when we give as a congregation, not only does it provide for our needs as a church, but we also give 10% out to church planting, world missions, and, all, and outreach, uh, both local and abroad. And it's really incredible what God has been able to do through our generosity as a church. So right now, I want to invite you to participate in that. You can go to joyeugene.com slash give, and you can text to give, you can give online, all the, the different ways that are available right there. Let's go ahead and pray for the offering today. Father, we thank you that you've invited us to partner with you in the beautiful vision of making this world what, what you intended it to be. And Lord, one of the ways we do that is through our giving, that we are able to plant churches and we're able to give to uh, the poor and, and give to areas of need, that we're able to 
uh, express your generosity and kindness as a church through our giving. I pray today, Lord, that you would just ignite that heart and spirit of generosity in us, Lord, that we would know truly, as your word says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But Lord, we also know that we trust you. You are our provider. It's not the government. It's not our job. It's not our own hands or feet. It's you, Lord. And so we honor you, worship you, and obey you in this area of our finances. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We give to you with joy today. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Go ahead and go to joyeugene.com. Give. And without further ado, we're going to jump into our message today. And today, my friends, truly is the end, the final of the War of the Worldview series. So last week I said, maybe this is the end, but it's not the end. This is the end this week, okay? And I just really felt compelled to not only talk about reaching out to people and, and talk about winning souls just one time. I wanted to talk about it twice. I'm not going to preach the exact same message I did last week, but I, but I just find this concept that we've been talking about how truth matters and worldview matters and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, truly in our doctrine, our, our beliefs, and our worldview, not just to kind of spout out Christian platitudes, but to know what we believe and why. But that really isn't the, the ending point of it, is not just to win arguments. Winning arguments or having the right belief or right ideas is not the end of it. Winning people is. It's not to win arguments, it's to win people. We want to see people actually come to Christ. We want to know truth, but we want truth to be spread into the world. It's what really brings change. And so for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our goal is to speak the truth in love. Now, if you're watching this today and you are not a follower of Jesus, please don't tune out because this is for you as well, because it's a a description of the way that God's truth really operates, that God is perfect truth, perfect justice, just like that, that, that sword that you know, divides, it, it even can cause pain like, like a surgical implement. But the ultimate goal is healing. The ultimate goal is reconciliation. The ultimate goal is to bring people back into right relationship with God. And so as you listen to this message today, there's this concept in Christianity of truth that is sharp as, as a sword, but love that is like soft as velvet, right? Like it's that combination, the truth in love that the Christian faith really is. And so I want to encourage you to lean into this today. Now, love is a really big idea. We talk about love, and, and as we kind of finish the War of the Worldview series, I want to just say love is the final word. Love is the, the end, of, end all, be all. Now, in our culture, it's hard because love has really been just turned into a lot of different things. People use the word love interchangeably with um, sexual you know, eroticism or intimacy or different things like that. They use the word love to sort of represent that if you agree with everything somebody thinks or believes or says at any given moment of what they're doing, then that's love. And if you ever say I disagree, then that's unloving. Those are both problematic. Love really, it requires more definition, but love from a sense of what Christ means when he talks about love, what God means when he talks about love, the love of God, the kind of love that we see depicted in the scripture, right? The, the, the love backed by truth, that type of love truly is the final word. Love, but it's a huge, big idea. And everyone loves the idea of love, but then it's in the application phase, okay? So we say, yes, I want to love people. I want to love my neighbor. I want to love God. I want to love people. But it's in the application where it gets sticky. And what I've found is that it's way harder to love the people right here, the ones around us, rather than the people out there, Right? And you could see this on Facebook, on social media, everywhere, what we call virtue signaling. And we all do it. So I'm not picking on anybody because we've all done it. So we virtue signal. We're like, man, oh man, I just am so sad for the people way over there. But you really, there's no action connected. So what are you trying to do? You're just signaling like, I'm, I'm a good person, I'm, right? 
And we've all done it, okay? So I'm not picking on anybody here. But what about instead of just virtue signaling, like we just love everyone, we love, we love. What if it actually costs you something? What if it actually costs cost you having conversations with people that you absolutely don't disagree with and even despise the way they think? But love compels you forward to actually get into the nitty-gritty, as our friend Nacho Libre would say, right? That actually compels you to get real, to get down into the, the, the muck, as it were, to get down to the, the, the rubber meets the road level of really applying love and speaking love and living it out. I remember a couple years ago, we were living in a different neighborhood, and uh, uh, we had a neighbor that was really hard to love. This woman, she comes to our door one day. Doosh, 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 doosh. We open the door, and she starts immediately screaming incoherently, just letting us have it. She was so mad, she couldn't even breathe. She was like, ah, ah. you know, it's maybe like what we feel like right now in all the smoke, you know? And she was incoherent. I mean, just, just absolutely enraged. And what she was mad about, catch this, she was mad because our kids, who at the time were just very little, were riding their plasma cars, which a plasma car is just like a plastic thing with wheels and you, you just kind of, you know, ride it. They were riding it in front of our house, which was kind of in a condominium complex type area. Uh, little kids kind of rolling down the hill and not bothering anybody, but apparently they were making too much noise, like, you know, laughing children, which we all hate that sound, right? <laughs> laughing kids. Man, nothing makes me more mad. No, I'm kidding. But anyways, our little kids, you know, which my kids are the cutest kids in the world, hands down. I mean, it's not even up for debate. They, and, and especially when they were littler, they were more cute. Right now, ah, it's debatable, but then absolutely cute. And, and they're just having fun. She comes over, she's incoherently mad, and she's mad, and she starts to threaten us. She's like, I'm going to tell the HOA. Like, oh, no, the HOA? Oh, my gosh, please, no, don't. So she's going to tell the HOA about us, get us kicked out of where we live. Uh, she, then she's looking in our house. She's kind of like forcing her way in, uh, looking, like putting her head, how many people even live here? I'm like, what? what? Get out of here. I'm like, that's none of your business. And so we have this interaction, and we weren't, we weren't really mean to her at all. We were mostly just shocked and surprised that this person just went, you know, blew up at us here at this moment in our doorway. Uh, but then we're like, okay, uh, are we Christians? Okay, yes, we are. Okay. Uh, we need to go, and we need to try to be loving. So we ended up baking her cupcakes. We brought our insanely cute kids over to her house. You know, we actually, like, combed their hair and stuff. And then, you know, trying to give her cupcakes, and she wouldn't even take them. I think she said she was gluten-free so funny. Anyways, she wouldn't even take the cupcakes. If you're gluten-free, just take the cupcakes from the kids and give them to somebody else. Anyways, all right. So she wouldn't take the cupcakes. Uh, but then another lady was like, I love cupcakes, a neighbor. So we gave them to her. So somebody's going to get blessed, right? You go, what's the point of all this? Okay. Well, the point is this. It's easy to say, I love my city. It's easy for me to get on TV and be like, come to Joy Church. I'm Pastor Jake. I love everybody. It's easy to be on Facebook and say, oh, I just love the world so much. It's really hard when somebody's yelling in your door. It's hard when somebody's sliding into your DMs, calling you everything but whatever. You know, it's hard when you're on Facebook and somebody's like the opposite of your politics, right? It's hard when it's your neighbor. It's hard to love the people right here, but that's, that, that's really where it counts, and I wish I could tell you that you're listening to an expert on loving your neighbor. You're absolutely not. In fact, I'm pretty bad at it, to be honest with you. So um, please do as I say, not as I do. No, I'm kidding, to, to, but I'm not an expert at this. So I'm not coming at you from some high horse like, watch me, I'm just so loving. It, it, it's not. It's an absolutely a challenge for me. 
It's absolutely a challenge to love the people well that are around me, including my own wife and my own kids, and even myself. It's hard to love the people close, right? But that is the real challenge that we're called to and really where we make the biggest difference. So I want to talk about how we as Jesus followers can see his mission accomplished by focusing on loving the people close to us, loving somebody, rather than worrying about loving everybody. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of problems with the world. There's a lot of things going on that are bigger than us, and we spend so much time consumed with worry, anxiety, trying to fix the world. What if we just said, I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love the people close to me. Because it's understanding the difference between God's job and our job. Go back to John 3.16, the scripture, right? Which we all know it. Most people know it, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What is it saying? What's God's job? To love the world. God is Superman. He takes the world on his shoulders. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Somebody said, what's the greatest commandment, teacher? Jesus said, well, you've heard it said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's a second commandment, equally as important, the second commandment like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. In another passage, Jesus said, I I will build my church. And he said to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. So what is the point here? God's job is to love the world. Our job is to love our neighbor. Our job, Jesus' job is to build his church. Our job is to make disciples. Our role is a lot smaller, but but important. We, We magnify it to this level where we actually can make no impact. And what we need to do is minimize it down to the role where we actually can make a difference in people's life. When I was a kid, I apparently had a little bit of an authority complex or something and, and, uh, so my, I would tell my dad, you know, I'm the boss or whatever. And he'd be like, Jake, you're the nothing boss. I'd be like, okay. You know, and I thought like he'd given me this role, but really I was king of nothing, right? I was the nothing boss. Oftentimes we're like, God, I'm, I'm, I want to be in control. I'd fix it if I was this and I would fix that. I'd change the world and these people need to do this. And really what the Lord comes to you today, prophetically in Jesus' name, to say, you're the nothing boss, <laughs> Right? Okay, thank you, Lord. Because here's what our real role is. Love your neighbor. How do you change the world? How do you fix the world? Fix your neighborhood. Change your street. Love the people around you well. Our job is to love the world. Dwight L. Moody said this, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do little things. Let me say that again. There are many of us willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us willing to do little things. Could you embrace this message today? Man, we just talked about worldviews and what's true, what's real, what's right. But what, what does all of that boil down to? Ultimately, is not my perfect understanding, perfect theology, ability to win an argument. It boils down to, will I actually apply that truth that has saved me and set me free? Will I apply that in a loving way to the people close to me and do the little things? If you've ever heard the phrase, boots on the ground, this concept uh, is that you ha- the idea is you have to take and hold territory if you're in a military campaign. And when we talk about the kingdom of God expanding and the Lord expanding his reach and his will around our world. For that to actually happen, you have to have soldiers actually go and be in that location to take and hold territory. You can't just have aircraft carriers and battleships and bombers. You actually need boots on the ground. And it's exactly the same in the kingdom of God. Boots on the ground in the kingdom of God is individuals looking for somebody or willing to love somebody and lay their life down for them and just say, man, I'm, I'm choosing you and I'm going to lay my life down for you. And if every Christian would just do that, that's boots on the ground and it makes a huge impact. 
loving people in a tangible, trackable way and laying your life down for people the way Jesus did for us. Being a Christian, understanding what it means to apply Christianity, to live it out, is very simple. It means loving people like Jesus loved you, okay? Loving people like Jesus loved you. Following his example and doing to the best of your ability what he does. That's following Jesus. And when you follow in Jesus' footsteps to love people the way that he loved them, you're going to grow. You're going to mature. God's going to do incredible things in your life. But what's easy for us to do as Christians, followers of Jesus, is to make this very philosophical and abstract. But if you go to the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus says, look, there's a man. He goes from Jerusalem to Jericho or Jericho to Jerusalem. And he's beset by robbers and bandits. They beat him. They strip him naked. They take him there. They leave him on the side of the road. And now a priest comes by, a Levite uh, comes by, and he's too busy. He doesn't stop. Then a temple assistant comes by, doesn't stop. But then all of a sudden, a hated Samaritan, the person who really had every reason to leave this Jewish man on the side of the road, he stops at his own expense. He bandages him, puts him on his own horse, takes him to an inn, says, I'll pay for his his." keep and his care. And he says, who showed mercy? And they said, the man, or who's his neighbor? Who was a good neighbor to this man? And, and they had to say, well, it was the one who showed him mercy. In other words, it was the one who actually made love practical, not just abstract. Again, and I'm just saying the same thing in different ways. It's easy to go, man, we want to love the world. Oh, Jesus loves everybody. We want to see the city saved. But what are we doing in our lives to actually tangibly, trackably love people, not just abstract, but concretely The mission of Jesus is accomplished when we do our job and we let God do his. And that means taking our place on the front lines to love somebody. Literally, if you said, I'm just, you just pick somebody, you know, Uh, okay, you, I pick you, you know, I'm going to love you. And we poured our life out, laid our life down for those people. We would see a greater impact than just kind of living in this abstract way. But the thing is about this that we know love is actually pretty hard. Loving people up close and personal, when it gets sticky like that, it's, it's tough. G.K. Chesterton says this. It's one of my all-time favorite quotes. He says, The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people. Let me say that again. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and to also love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people, right? Oftentimes you're actually in conflict with your neighbor. So love is hard. But listen what Jesus said. We mentioned Matthew 22, but in Matthew 22, he gives us a paradigm and a framework for viewing our faith applied, viewing our faith lived out. It says, when the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he didn't stop there. He said a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, I could talk about this all day, and you're like, oh, please don't, and I'm not going to. (laughs) But there's so so much rich philosophy and theology and ideas here to mine into. And I want to just tell you that the human heart wants only one of these commands to be true. The religious heart, the one that wants to earn their way to God, the the religious person wants it to just be love the Lord your God with fire, heart, soul, mind, and strength, because that's easy. I can isolate myself. I can go to a cave. I can sit there, and I can 
you know, self-discipline. I can, I can become an, uh, 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 you know, a hermit and I can just love God, whatever that means. It's very abstract. And I can think good thoughts about the world, but basically I'm just here, God and I. The religious soul that wants that. But Jesus says that's not enough. You can't just love God. You have to love people. The humanist, the, per- the person who's not religious, they just want to love people, but they don't want God. They don't want moral law. They don't want truth. They don't want something that is bigger than them telling them what to do. So find yourself on this, on this spectrum, right? If some people gravitate towards, man, I just love God. It's about doing the right thing. You know, it's about law and order. It's about having everything correct. And, but like basically there's, a, there's, a, there's really not a love for people, a compassion or a care Jesus says, look, that's not enough. You can't just love God. You can't just be a good Christian and ignore people and hate people and act like the, you know, you're not part of this society and, you, and you're going to hide out in your cave. That's not how it works. But furthermore, you also can't be that person who's like, I just love people. It's all about just helping people. We're going to build our own utopia. You know, we'll, human, human kindness and love, we'll just build it up and we'll all do our own thing and we can do whatever we want with our bodies. It doesn't matter. We, there's no real authority. Wrong, 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 wrong. Jesus says, what is the greatest commandment? Here's the answer. And he pins us all. You've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have to acknowledge there's a higher authority. Come on. There's actually moral authority. Jesus actually has opinions about what you do in your sexuality. He cares about how you think about the world. And he, he, he cares about the, your worldview and truth and all of that. It matters. There is actual objective moral reality and, and truth in the universe. There is a God and you're not him. And you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if you're like, great, I can do that. God and I, we got it. we're like this. Mm-mm, I've got it all right. I think right, feel right, do right. No. Back it down, RoboCop. Like you need to recognize that to really love God, Jesus says there's more to it. You got to go and embrace this sticky, messy culture. You got to get out there, whatever that means for you, and actually love somebody that probably doesn't even agree with your views. But then on the flip side, if anybody's like, yeah, I knew it. We're like, we're not, we don't need church and we don't need all this. We just need to be out there loving people. Eh, wrong. No, you need that. Even in the midst of loving and all of this. Okay, so hopefully this is making sense. Again, I could tell you, I could talk about it all day. But Jesus says, look, these two things come together. These are amazing truths. And there's a reason why Jesus' teaching astounded people. This is what it says that they were astounded because he's saying radical things here. The religious people would have been like, yeah, I love God. That's right. That's right. But then he says, love your neighbor. But he says it in a way that actually brings them together and says both of these things are the way to really have a correct worldview and apply it correctly. Because he's saying that loving your neighbor is equally as important as loving God. How we treat other people is important as how we treat God. And this, is, this was mind-blowing to a lot of the religious people there. If I think I'm a 10 with God and a 2 with other people, I'm really a 2 with God. If you're the kind of person that's like, no, I'm good with God. We're good. I know, I know what's right. Da, 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 da. You know, we can get caught up into that, that religious kind of mindset. And that's really not how it works. The word love in this passage is the word agape, which indicates God's kind of love. Not sexual love, not human kindness type of love, not brotherly love but this selfless sacrificial form of love that is independent of repayment or reciprocation. It's selfless love, love without strings, right? God's kind of love. 
we are to love other people with that same kind of love that we have for God. We're to love God like that. We're to love other people like that, that we love not because of them or their, their worth or, or, or whatever, but we love other people because the love of God is manifest in our life. What he's done for us, we're allowing ourselves to be a vessel of God's kindness and God's love. That's the kind of love we're talking about here. Jesus says equally important, this word equally important, when he says a second commandment is like it or it's equally important. It's the word homoios, which means of equal rank. That's a Greek word, of equal rank. Jesus intimately connected the two great commands and he makes them inseparable. They are not sequential, but rather parallel, right? It's not like, oh, I love God, then I love people. No, it's that at the same time, these go together. We demonstrate our love for God by how well we love others. And then the word neighbor, when Jesus is talking about this, he is indicating the people that are simply near to us. So Jesus is expanding this word neighbor to anyone that we're in close proximity to, that our love should be indiscriminate. We should be willing to let God's love come to us and go through us to anyone that's in our proximity. And often these are the people that are the hardest to love, which we've just talked about, the ones that we know. But in that parable of the Good Samaritan, when, they, when Jesus asks his questioner, well, who is the one that, that was a good neighbor? And he says it was the one who showed mercy. Jesus is just talking about that whoever needs us right now, whoever needs that care, whoever is close to you, you have an opportunity to let this kind of love flow through you. This is the type of love that we're to have. This is the type of love that we're to exhibit. This is the kind of love that changes the world. And I want to just come back briefly to this idea that there's a vertical aspect of our, of our relationship with God and there's a horizontal aspect, Right? What Jesus talks about in Matthew 22 and what I'm referencing when I say that he gets all of us kind of here is that some of us are, are really comfortable with that vertical relationship. Others of us m- would tend to m- more gravitate towards the horizontal, but it's in that intersection of both of those things together, a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others that we truly find the application and the living out of what it means to be a Christian. And that's why I say that in the war of the worldviews, love is the final word. Because for us as followers of Jesus, yes, we want to have vertically truth and alignment with God, getting our worldview right, our love for God, our faithfulness to God, but it's in the application of loving the world, and it's in that, that perfect middle, that intersection point, that really we see love is the final word. That is our calling. That is that place that we are to go. In the passage when Jesus says, love others, love your neighbor as love yourself, it draws us back to that golden rule that I should love like I want to be loved. Jesus said in Matthew 7, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So Jesus was really good at summarizing a lot of things that maybe we misunderstand or even his listeners 2,000 years ago misunderstood. And he says, let's bring it all together. What God was trying to say and trying to demonstrate and trying to teach us through all of history and trying to teach us even through the Old Testament times, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. That kind of love, it's so simple that it's easy to go, oh, I'm just going to look past it, but that's what we're called to do, and that becomes the final word. Now, as we finish up today, I want to give you a couple of takeaways to apply this message to your life right now this week. Well, maybe not this week if you can't go out of your house, but even then, you could be nice on social media. But when the smoke clears, you can really apply this. All right, here's some takeaways. Number one, don't love everybody, love somebody, right? Let God do his job, and you do yours. 
how many things in the world would be better if we just stayed in our lane, right? It's like, I'm going to own my stuff. I'm going to deal with my stuff. I'm going to let God deal with the world. I'm not going to try to fix those people. I'm going to realize that I'm one of those people, and I want to be, let God work on me, and I want to let I want to let God's love work through me and love somebody in my neighborhood. I want to love the people around me well, right? So let God do his job. You do yours. Don't love everybody. Love somebody. Now, you obviously can love everybody, but you hear what I'm saying. Number two, we need to make room in our life for loving people. What do I mean by making room? Well, again, it's easy to leave it to be abstract. Well, love, I just love people. I think good thoughts towards them. No, we actually need to make space in our time, in our mental and emotional energy, right? We need to make space and margin and room in our finances for loving people. Because if it's not actually shown in your bank account, and if it's not shown in your, in your uh, journal, and it's not shown in your, your schedule that, that love is actually happening, is it really happening? And this is something that I think is really important for us as followers of Jesus. Where can we point to our life and say, man, I've actually made space, made room for loving people. Number three, we need to get good at relationship. What do I mean by this? Well, it means that we put a premium on people. Not a premium on winning arguments, not a premium on having the perfect answers, but a premium on loving people and, and uh, priority on, on people and letting, again, we've made room for that, but we need to actually practice at becoming relationally intelligent. You see, sometimes we're like, well, I want to reach the world, but, you, but you're not working on actually forming relationships. You've made room, whatever, but you're not, you're not intentional about it. And we need to get good at relationship because relationship is the bridge by which God's truth and his love and transformation actually carries over. For everything to happen in our city that God wants to see happen, Joy Church and the other life-giving Christ-preaching churches to grow and to, to really see spiritual transformation in our city, we're going to have to see Christians who get really good at relating to people that aren't like them, that don't look like them, sound like them, vote like them, etc. Okay? And this is a, an, an, uh, an outflow of getting good at relationship. And then number four, as we're doing those things, we need to just be intentional about sharing Christ. One of the things that Christians have sort of gotten into is this kind of, to me, it's like a bumper sticker theology of like, well, we don't really, you know, we just want to let people see Christ through our lives. Well, that's good and all, but sometimes you just need to tell people about Jesus. It's kind of like the person, you know, who's supposed to sell swimming pools, but every time the person's like, well, what do I do next? They're like, oh, well, you know, pools are great. Well, right, like, how do I buy a pool? Well, you know, pools will really cool you off in the summer. I realize that. I'd like to purchase the pool. Pools are wet. They are, there's, water is wet. You know, it's like, sell the pool. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to tell people, hey, the answer is Christ. You need to give your life to Jesus Get into his, into his kingdom, get into his family, and be part of the community of faith. Be part of the family of faith. And so we need to actually learn how to share Jesus with people, to communicate, hey, we're all sinners. God sent his perfect son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins. And if we'll trust and put our faith in him, he'll save us and invite us on a journey of faith. It's not that hard, but it requires some intentionality. So I want to challenge you today to share Christ intentionally. I'll end with this. D.L. Moody, again, we already had one of his quotes, but he's awesome, so we'll give another one. He said, it is clear you don't like my way of doing evangelism. You raise some good points. Frankly, I sometimes do not like my way of doing evangelism, but I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. However you do it, just do it. However you reach people, however you love people, however it works through your life, when you're saying, Jesus, work through me, I'm here to love somebody, he's going to work through you, and love is the final word. 
In Jesus' name. Awesome. Well, hey, if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, every week at Joy Church, we make an opportunity for people to find faith, to come to Jesus. And right now, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me, to put your faith and trust in Jesus and start this journey of being his disciple. Just pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that I've not lived up to your perfect standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I put my faith and trust in you and in you alone. I give you my life and I ask for your life in return. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. For everybody else, I want to just pray real quick that, about this message. Lord, I thank you that you've just challenged us today about loving people and not worrying so much about fixing the world that we can't really influence, but Lord, looking to what we can influence and using our influence to love people around us, to love our neighbor. God, I pray just for a fresh activation, Lord, of encouragement, of mission and vision that we would say, I am a disciple of Jesus and whatever the world outside of me is like, I'm still called to make disciples. Whatever's going around, whatever is happening, it, it, it affects me, but it doesn't knock me off course. We might be persecuted and perplexed, but we're not abandoned. We might be crushed, but we're not destroyed. We are leaning in as disciples, followers of Jesus, to see your mission accomplished. God, help us as your followers to, be, to love people well, to be full of your spirit, full of truth, full of love, and Lord, go out and make a difference in our community this week. Lord, we love you. We give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, go hop into a connect group. You guys are awesome. Can't wait to see you next week at our new building. Woo woo. God bless you guys. Have a great week.